Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me to look back on Saturday's win against Mansfield are Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi chaps. Stu, how are you? Very well, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, when Argyle on a run of, what was it, 10 wins in the last 13, Jack? It's not bad going, is it? Yeah, so... Uh, I said to Jack, when you get to this stage of the season and Argyle mm. are in the form they're in, the mm. games just cannot come quick oh, enough, can they really? As soon as the whistle goes, I just can't wait for the next one there. <laughs> and I've, I remember, I know there's obviously the Tuesday night and then the Saturday, isn't there? So there's some home games coming up in quick succession for next week, so I can't wait. Yeah, I think there's a few games in League Two this week, uh, midweek games as yeah. well. So we're getting to that stage of the season now. Argyle have got 20 games to go, but you, we're getting close to the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday period. And Argyle have got the um, away midweek games at Salford City and Macclesfield Town. They've got Crawley Town coming to Home Park mm. next Tuesday. So you're going to get your wish. You're going to start seeing an awful lot of football in the in the in the coming weeks. It seems hard to believe, really, but we're almost three months to the end of the season now because yeah. this season if people haven't realised ends or the regular season anyway ends at the end of April doesn't Absolutely, it yeah. because of I think the Euros and Wembley and the playoffs and things like that isn't it yeah that's right and also we're getting to that stage where everyone are playing their games in hand now so yeah. you know the, the league table has a really mm. even look about it it's quite funny though isn't it because as, as a fan you just look at it and like for example I'll go now I've, the first thing I thought of when I looked at the table was if I go win their two games yeah, now, we're joint on points to swim. You, add those you points. can't help but you no, add absolutely. them on, don't you? As a fan, you always add those points Indeed. on. It doesn't always work like that. <laughs> As I say, though, guys, another win for our girl at the weekend. Um, 3 1 against Mansfield. Oh. Certainly would have taken that before the game, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, but I think it's fair to say the scoreline doesn't tell the whole, the whole picture because certainly for the first 10 15 minutes, Jack Mansfield were all over Argyle, weren't they? And um, it could have been out of sight, couldn't they? If it hadn't been for a couple of excellent saves from Alex Palmer, a couple of poor finishes, they they literally could have put the game to bed within that ten first ten fifteen minutes. Um, credit to Argyle though, they found the way to to win the game. Uh, it wasn't their best performance, but you're not going to play well every week. You know the cliche time, isn't it? If you can still win when you haven't been at your best, um, that's a good sign. You know, they, they will need to be a little bit sharper at both ends of the pitch going forward. But uh, I thought Mansfield, how Mansfield 19th in the table, I, I do not know. You mm. know. When you look at the attacking players they've got, when you look at the attacking players they've got on the bench you can come off. <coughs> Excuse me. They've got some good players. Um, but I thought Graham Cochran's comments were quite interesting. Mm. I mean, he was clearly not happy with the fitness levels. And yeah. without saying it in as many words, he was basically being what happened in pre-season. And it sounds like they're not fit enough to be doing what they should be doing. And... I think the fans on Twitter now are saying that they're in a relegation battle. I think no, they're five points off five the bottom. Points off. They shouldn't be down. They should be competing no. at the top. Well, they've got some good players in that team. He, he said that they're training three days, three times a day. Yeah. So that tells you that fit, he thinks that fitness is an issue. And you can't change that overnight. And you can't change no. that overnight. And I suppose you would say that as the game went on, Argyle got stronger and stronger, didn't they? And Mansfield, perhaps in that last 20 minutes, when they got back to 2 1, you thought, oh, you know, this yeah. could be a real torrid last 20 minutes for Argyle but Mansfield didn't really have enough to kick on did they I mean they still had a threat about them but I I felt reasonably comfortable Argyle were going to see it out before Ryan Hardy it, got the third goal it's funny because I, I, feel, I felt like watching Mansfield on Saturday was like watching Argyle earlier in the season where they had plenty of chances but just mm. could not finish them mm. and, and Argyle have now sort of 
turn that corner. So I feel like it, it, we've, I've seen Argyle do that a lot earlier in the season, but it was nice to finally see them being the teams that were taking their chances. And Graham Copeland's definitely got some hard work on his, uh, on his, on his side, but he's not going to give in, is, is he? It's a, it's a good no. job to have still. I think it might just be a case if he has to get them through and try and keep them up into the summer and then go for promotion next season. I think that's, that's their aim now. It's, it's interesting you say that when you look at, as, as Chris said, the quality in this their squad mm. you know CJ Hamilton and, and Nicky uh, Nicky Maynard Nicky Maynard <laughs> front brother mm. um, you know two proven players mm. at this level that have scored mm. plenty of goals in the past were they the ones that were missing the chances and, and Danny or, Rose I mean CJ Hamilton had could have had a hat-trick easily on Saturday um, his finishing was poor wasn't it his finishing was poor there was one where he was picked out in the centre of goal and he miskicked it with one where he was clean through really and should have taken it with his right but wanted it on his left and dragged a shot uh, wide of the target so I think Hamilton was the main culprit but uh, one of the turning points there's always turning points in games but Argo were 1-0 up early in the second half Nicky Maynard's found in space it was like three Mansfield players two Argo defenders Maynard's got the shot away it's beaten Alex Palmer you think well that's going to be the equaliser and then Niall Canavan came from nowhere and made a brilliant sliding clearance and um, it wasn't that much longer after that that Argo were awarded the penalty. Sarsavik made it 2-0. And you know, instead of being 1-1 with, you know, 40-odd minutes to go in the game, it was 2-0. And that was a key moment in the match. That was a brilliant piece of defending from Niall Canavan, who had scored the goal at the end of the first half to give Argo the lead. I was really annoyed that wasn't in the highlights, actually, because I watched yeah. the, the Quest show and... Since tackles like that or, or blocks like that deserve to be shown in highlights, yeah. I think, because mm. they're not going to get many goals. That's the goal. Yeah, you yeah. know that was a that, that was worth as much as his goal at the other end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what I also quite liked, I was just quickly mention is you know Graham Cochran afterwards he was asked about the second the penalty whether that was a penalty and he said it doesn't matter whether it was or wasn't. What is what is my player doing pushing someone when he's running away from goal? And that that seems so bizarre, didn't it? They just that, stink of a team that are, have got so much pressure on their shoulders at the moment. That was that was a penalty all day long. I mean, I don't know what Matt Preston thought. What he was doing, but you can't. From goal, you, isn't he? Joe Rebels is going nowhere. He's heading towards the corner flag. Uh, he's in the penalty area, but he's heading towards mm. the, the corner flag. And but that must make you furious as a manager. Well, uh, yeah, of course. Well, and managers live or die by results and decisions by players. And to see one of your players just needlessly do that, there was no point in doing it. Um, and it gave Argyle that opportunity to go tune up and. They were always likely to win from there, weren't they? He uh, probably might not have been as good as his last couple of games, but that was the first time I've seen Backinson as well. And I still, he looks impressive. He does. I mean, he's got, he, he flapped a few times. I'm not, I'm not going to lie because Mansfield's, you know, front three were, were, were pretty good at breaking forward. But he's, he's got a good shot on him and he's, he, he won the ball quite nicely and he's tall, isn't he, as well? So It was interesting to see how Mansfield played because they played three up front mm. and they basically had three strikers. Hamilton, Maynard and Rose up against Argyle's three centre-backs and I haven't seen that very often at all this season. And in the first half an hour, that worked really well for them because they had them running at the Argyle defenders and uh, they were bypassing Tariq Backinson. The wing-backs were not really tucking in enough mm. and, and it was three on three. It was almost like a basketball fast break and that wasn't suiting Argyle at all. But they did get to grips with that a bit more because you would still say their weakness is we said last season it's mm. the same three mm. and we said last season it's if you run at them they haven't mm. got the most amount of pace and that's still the case you know they've yeah. done fantastically this season mm. they've really turned it around but mm. their lack of pace is still their weakness if, if you're a team that are going to be playing Argyle in the coming weeks it'd be interesting to see if any other teams try and do yeah. that because it feels like most teams are going to come to home park and try and play on the break try and you know 
because they're worried that Argyle are going to have so much of the ball and create chances. But maybe the best policy for away teams, don't listen to away teams, but, <laughs> um, is to sort of fight fire with fire a little bit and, and go with three out front and try and attack that area of the Argyle team and see if he can have any joy. But um, Luckily for Argyle, the Matthew strikers didn't... They didn't finish, but it could, it, have yeah. been a, it could have been on another day... They take, you know, they could have been tuning up in fifteen minutes, no problem. Yeah. But anyway, the good thing was that Argyle came through that period and they finished the game strong, and everyone would have taken a three-one win uh, before the game. Mm-hmm. Put some fourth in the table, eleven points for Crewe in third. So ten wins out of thirteen, no matter what league you're in, you can't you can't mm. moan about that, can you? It's a no. fantastic run of form that I don't think anyone would have predicted would no. have happened before that run. So. And fantastic. As, as you touched on earlier, Chris, Argyle seem to be finding a way of winning games mm. in, in different manners. You know, mm. they weren't at their best mm. on Saturday, yet they still come away with the victory. Yeah, and that's nine goals in the last three games. And we've sat and debated a lot this season on the podcast, you know, Argyle not taking their chances. And it's, it's amazing the difference that the last few games have had because they are now putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, Luke Jeffcott obviously scored four in the previous two. It was tough for him on Saturday. Three centre-backs for Mansfield. Argyle didn't really get going, didn't really play their football in the first half. Um, it was a few too many chasing lost causes and, and things for him. I think if, if Argyle are going to get the best out of him, they need to play the ball. He needs to get the ball in the penalty area with passes and things like that, not long balls and running down channels and things like that. He wasn't that. in the so game much, was he, really? He, wasn't, he didn't really influence the game very much, but that doesn't detract from the fact that he has shown that if you get the ball into him with a bit of quality in the penalty area, he's more than capable of finishing. The other encouraging thing, of course, is, is Ryan Hardy, the way he's come in. I mean, he's come off the bench twice. He's played probably a total of 40 minutes in, in all, and he's got two really well-taken goals. And... I put him on a number of pieces over the weekend. The 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 Blackpool fans scratching their heads, wondering, well, what how on earth has he gone there and scored two goals in two sub appearances and just got one goal all season before that for Blackpool? But it's a sign of a good striker. Someone that doesn't he hasn't had a lot of chances, but he's taken the two yeah. chances that he's had and got the, goals. The one against Carlisle was a good one on his right foot. The one on Saturday was one with his left foot. He's he's not blisteringly quick, but he's. He's rangy, so he sort of eats the ground up a bit. He's he's probably quicker than he he might look at first sight. And um, any striker that when they get a goal or two, strikers five on goals. Absolutely. And how many times on this podcast have we said you know players need to be able, strikers need to be able to come off the bench and make an impact in those twenty minutes they get. Otherwise, they're not going to get the chance. He's doing that at the moment, and it's it's quite pleasing to see someone coming off the bench and getting the goals because. That was a struggle earlier on the season with the likes of Ryan Taylor would come off the bench or Billy Clark would come off the bench and it wasn't they weren't getting the goals but mm. so far Hardy's done that. And at the other end of the pitch, um, mm. Alex Palmer, you mentioned earlier on Chris playing very well. We've mm. got a question from John Lloyd. Is Alex Palmer getting enough credit? He's making crucial saves match after match and I'd rank him as player of the season so far. Thanks for the question, John. Yeah, Indeed. he's definitely right up there. Um, the, the the saves he made early on were fantastic. The The... the First minute, there was a ball came in from the right. Hamilton had a had a excellent reflex save. Then Nicky Maynard goes through, and you'd expect Nicky Maynard to score, but Palmer stood up tall, made the block with his hand. Um, when the blade, when the ball's played into the box, I feel confident when he goes for the ball, Jack. Um, he he's a tall. I mean, I've interviewed him. I've met him. He is a big, tall, imposing guy. Mm. But not all goalkeepers use that physique sometimes. Um, and Alex Palmer definitely does. 
Um, when the ball's there to be caught, he goes and takes it. There's a couple of good punches. I think he's done really well. The, the goal that Mansfield got, he could have done, could have done better with. Uh, I think Ryan Lowe said that Alex Palmer had said to him that he'd been caught a bit in two minds. But he was a bit unlucky to eventually push the ball onto the bar and the ball comes down off the bar, it's him in the back of the head and, and goes in. But he, he's been a really solid acquisition for, for Argyle. I think all season he's, he's been pretty consistent. I don't think there's really been a spell where you've looked at him and thought, oh, he's had a bad t- two or three games. It's the opposite to last season. Uh, it's, it's nice as a fan if you can mm. watch and not be worried every time an opposition comes forward. And that was the case mm. last season. Argyle were leaking goals yeah. left, right and centre. And he doesn't, he doesn't get pushed off the ball very often by the strikers. Mm. You know, I was, I was watching the Man U game at the weekend and David De Gea was just easily pushed off a ball for a goal that was disallowed. But Alex Palmer doesn't seem to be like that. He seems to be quite strong and, and holding his own and commanding his box, which mm. Argyle lacked hugely last season. And it's so refreshing to see someone doing that job again. Mm. I mean, John says about, is Alex Palmer getting enough credit? I certainly get the impression the fans like Alex Palmer a lot. He gets chatted for a lot. When he, goes, when he goes towards the Devonport end, you know, mm. he gets a good ovation. There's been a few, you know, chance of signing him up, signing him up during games and things like that. Um, it's funny, no. I, don't, I don't know, I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for other clubs, mm. but I know goalkeepers have a habit of being quite popular at Argyle. You've had Roman mm. Larry, Luke McCormick, Remy Matthews, Remy was very Matthews. popular. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if that's common everywhere, but mm. goalkeepers certainly seem to be quite popular. At I, I think a lot of it's to do with their relationship with the fans behind them. I yeah. think if yeah, they go up to them right. and clap yeah. and give them all that, fans love that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's such an easy way to mm. endear yourself to, to a and club, even, whether it's your permanent club or whether you're on loan. And even opposition goalkeepers sometimes get laughs from fans. Because if they respond with a little clap yeah, exactly. or laugh, they're chanting them. Yeah. I, I love I love that. But going back to John Lloyd asking about player of the season, I was just thinking while Chris was talking, it's, it's tough, isn't it, this year? Because I think there are so many players playing well. I mean, I think George Cooper and Anthony Sarsavik mm. both have to be up there as well. I think this is probably going to be the most wide open one yeah. as things stand at the moment. Look forward to your poll later in the season then, Chris, for yeah, the uh, well, Herald Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, there is a, a number of candidates, but yeah, Alex Palmer's right up there. Argyle are going to need him, though, over the remaining 20 games of the season. And I think just one other point to make um, when we're talking about Alex Palmer is that I saw the Central League Cup game against Portsmouth last Tuesday and it was played in terrible wind and rain. It was howling. It was awful conditions. Awful conditions for the goalkeepers. And uh, Argyle's Mike Cooper um, had a fantastic game, made some really good saves, ended in a 1-1 draw, but Portsmouth would have won if it hadn't been for, for Cooper. And he is improving all the time. It's it, the, the progress he is making is very noticeable he's getting a really good goalkeeping prospect and I do think that that helps when you've got Alex in your in, you're in Alex Palmer's shoes you know you've played well you know you're doing well but you cannot afford to rest because anyone who's seen Michael Cooper play in any of the, if, if Alex Palmer had a, a two or three really bad games I don't think Ryan Lowe would have any doubts about giving Cooper the start so I do think that one of the reasons why Alex Palmer's doing so well and he is a good goalkeeper anyway is, is the competition he knows he cannot afford to let his standards slip and I don't care at, you know what team what level you're at if you've got somebody breathing down your neck for a place it keeps you on your toes doesn't it yeah. also it must be not quite nice for Cooper to see someone like Palmer who's three years older than him mm. saying I'm only just getting my mm. chance at a good run of league football mm. so, you know, so he must see that and think you know, I'm only 20 mm. there's yeah. still plenty of time for me so that must be quite nice as well Connor Crothers mm. is asking uh, a follow up to John Lloyd's question mm. really um, would you see the possibility of an extension or permanent signing with Alex Palmer it's an interesting one isn't it he's out of contract at West Brom in the summer so he's, he's 23 which 
I mean, it's not old for a goalkeeper, is it? But um, at some point in time, you'll want to play regularly as a goalkeeper. Um, if West Brom get promoted to the Premier League, is, is, is he realistically going to be playing in the Premier League or for a top championship club? Uh, it's always a tough one when you've been at a club for quite a while and you reach that point of, am I going to make the breakthrough? Yeah. Uh, Josh Grant's probably in the same situation at Chelsea. You know, you're you're at a club a long time. You come through the ranks. You're part of the the setup there, and then there comes that point where, am I going to stay and hope that something happens? Um, do West Brom look at the progress that Alex Palmer's made because uh, they'll be tracking his his performances. They might look at it and think, well, we'll give him another twelve months, two years. We'll just keep our options. We've invested for so long in him. Why not give him another year or two? We'll loan him out, say to a League One team next season. And then see how he how he's going. Ordinarily, you'd say twenty three is a is a bit late in your career to still be in loaned out all the time. But for a goalkeeper, mm. you can play to your late thirties, can't you? So also, also from Argos' point of view, you know, you mm. mentioned Michael Cooper there. If yeah. they've got, they've obviously got yeah. high hopes for him. Yeah. The last thing they want to do is to stop his pathway and development into the first team. And that's that's a very fair point because I do think that next season there's no reason to my mind why Mike could. Cooper couldn't be Argyle's first choice goalkeeper next season. So, do you bring in Alex Palmer and then potentially stunt the progress of Michael Cooper? Do you go with Michael Cooper, although he would still be then relatively unproven? Um, so it's it's an interesting question, Connor, about how it will work. Whether there be a whether um, a permanent signing, whether they could re-sign him on loan. I know from talking to him, you know he's in really enjoying it down here. He sees himself as an Argyle player for the time being, rather than being on loan. It's worked out. It's been a great loan move move for him. He's had a few, couple of emergency loans before. He had a little spell at his um, home club, Kidderminster Harriers, uh, a few years ago. But this is what he needs. He's twenty three and he he's playing regular first team football uh, for for a team that's doing really well at the moment. So I'm sure he's just focused on that and then get to the end of the season, see what what West Brom are prepared to do with him and whether they want to keep him and uh, take it from there but I'm sure that they must be aware he's doing well and also let's not kid ourselves that I'm sure other clubs will be aware of his Absolutely, progress yeah. if he's a free agent in the summer I'm sure Argyle wouldn't be the only team that are tracking him so yeah. you know, I mean Argyle would have to be minimum they'd have to be a league one yeah, team next think, season yeah. to, to keep Alex have any chance of signing Alex Palmer because he's proved that he'd be more than I think he'd be more than good enough for for League One at the very least, if not, you know, higher. It's always difficult yeah. to judge. He's definitely not want to want to go back and not playing first team football. No, well, that's the thing. And you've been out and had a taste of it. You yeah, want more, don't yeah. you? So, uh, continuing the theme of uh, lone players, then George Cooper. Uh, we did mention it last week, but Matthew Pinney's asking: Would George Cooper be a good signing for the club come the end of the regular season? No doubt there'll be interest from other clubs if he was allowed to leave from his current club even though he still has over a year left on his current Peterborough United contract. I, I would, if there was a chance to sign him and it was doable, I would have Get no hesitation. Yeah, but he's been, for me, I would say he's been Argos player of the season so far. I think he, you need a player when you're not playing particularly well, or even if you are playing well, that can just put a ball on a plate for a striker. And earlier in the season, the strikers weren't finishing. They have recently. His set pieces are good. He's good in open play. He might not possibly be the best defensively, but he's got... There's plenty of cover for him. I think he's one of the best players in that position that Argyle have had for quite some time. And 
I would love to see him become a, a regular, you know, sorry, a permanent player for Argyle, 100%. When you talk about that position, you're talking the left wing back role? Yeah, or just even, even yeah, more, more importantly, but you know, he's got pace, he's got, he's got everything you sort of really need in that modern day role, as long as you've got the backup behind you to sort of have that defensive edge. And, you know, I think there was a period last season where, or earlier in this season, where you, there was no one taking sort of those set pieces by the scruff of the neck, and he's done that as well. Corners, you know, penalties, he seems to be very switched on. Sorry, not penalties, free kicks. He seems to be very switched on a quick thinking footballer and if there is a, a chance of a sign him then hopefully they will and I'm sure Ryan Lowe will keep talking to Simon Hallett about it and something will happen at, at some point yeah it would be expensive it would it would certainly be out of the norm of Argyle in recent years because um, George Cooper went to Peterborough from Crewe from, for an undisclosed fee but by all accounts, it was quite a sizable yeah. undisclosed fee. They pay big fees for good lower league players, don't Cor- they? Correct. Players, They've so. got a, a track record of doing that. Yeah. He's still got another year left on his contract beyond the end of the season. So Peterborough aren't going to give him away to Wargar mm. or in, anyone else. They're going to want a sizable chunk of money. Um, it sounds as though all the time that um, Darren Ferguson's at Peterborough, he's not doesn't sound particularly keen on George Cooper. That's the sort of vibes you get, that he's not a, a, a huge fan. So I'm not sure that George Cooper's got a future at Peterborough, uh, but whether that's going to be at Argyle, Argyle would have to make quite a, a, a sizable financial commitment in terms of a, a transfer fee. Peterborough aren't going to give him away. And, and his wages, you know, his wages will be substantial as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd be surprised. Do you not, do you not think a, a fee's... See, I, would, I think a fee must have been agreed because otherwise you always have an option to buy a player. Mm. So what is what is the option to buy clause if there's mm. not a fee? Because a loan player can go back and you've always got the option to buy. You can always submit an offer. So I, I don't understand what that would be, why they would name that as a specific option in this deal. There it's, wasn't a fee agreed beforehand. Yeah, there's been a few strange ones about it because you look at the backwards and forwards that's been going on in the last couple of weeks about, well, there's an option on this date... And Peterborough have been saying, well, the options on January the 17th. And Ryan Lowe's saying, well, no, the options at the end of the season. And then Peterborough are saying, well, we could recall him. And Ryan Lowe turns around and says, well, no, we've got an agreement that he can't be recalled if I don't want him recalled. Mm. And so there's... It's a bit odd, isn't it? It hasn't been quite as crystal clear, the exact agreements and and things like that. So... um, but you're, I'm always under the assumption that if you, if you make a loan sign with a view to buy, there's mm. got to be some sort of talk about price, otherwise that wouldn't be part of the deal, you'd imagine. Otherwise, you, what's the difference from a normal loan? Yeah, the, the, you would imagine there's there's some parameters, but whether yeah. there's an asset price yeah. agreed or, or what have you, I don't know. Um, and Argyle might just have put that in just to cover themselves uh, and give themselves maybe a, a bit of a head start on other teams or, or things like that. But uh, his, his set-piece delivery is fantastic. Um, and Argyle are getting lots of well, not just set piece delivery. His quality, his mm. his crossing, is 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 quality, and it that really could make the difference. So, um, first and foremost, let's hope George Cooper keeps playing the way he is at the moment. Because if he does, Argyle have got a very good chance of of going up. Um, and then there'll be, I think, probably lengthy conversations to be had at the end of the season about whether they can um, keep him. And again, you know, if Argyle aren't in League One, then there's there's not. Not I a conversation to be had, really, because I'm sure he's um, he's enjoying his football at the moment. He's playing for Ryan Lowe. They've got a good relationship, the two of them, but George Cooper won't want to be playing in League Two next season. But you would imagine, again, the, the, the style of Ryan Lowe, you, that must be so attractive for players like George Cooper and, and strikers. And it's just, 
there are so many teams that don't play in that sort of way, and I know you can't always play in that way, but it must be an attractive, you know, opposition, you know, op- option for someone. Yeah. Uh, Nick Tomlinson, with the high levels of versatility within within the Argyle squad, does the panel believe there is a need to bring in any more bodies in January? Personally, I don't believe there is. I feel that we have players who are capable of covering a number of positions. I mean, there's no glaringly obvious places. Um, I agree with Nick. You know, there's 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 good versatility and options. There's lots of players who can play more than one position, which is always handy to have. Um, strikers, I, I still, you know, if you could get a striker that you felt might be able to make an impact, you can never have enough strikers. Um, but I think when you look through the rest of the team at the moment, there is there is enough there is enough options there. Twenty games to go. Uh, you know they've off offloaded Tafari Moore. He's gone on loan to Colchester. Started for them didn't he, at the weekend. Started for them uh, against Macclesfield because they had an injury and a suspension. But you've got plenty of people who can play right wing back, uh, left wing back. Uh, yeah, I, th- I would always keep my options open for a striker. And of course you've got to be. A little bit careful because we've still got a couple of weeks till the transfer window closes. Yeah. If you had an injury or a suspension or anything like that that could have a player out for three games, so you perhaps need to be ready just to respond and uh, and get somebody in. Ryan Lowe's also talking about loaning um, some of the young pros out. Clardy mm. Lollis maybe going out on loan. Uh, so maybe a striker, but, I, but be, then again, that striker isn't going to be like a a, a top top line striker but just to maybe just give you that extra bit of cover it's sort of a tough one really because if, if you're going to sign another striker what, what, just say you sign a Brett Pittman type which I don't think well, no, no, just at that time a striker yeah. if you sign a Brett Pittman type that's going to put certain like Don Telfer's nose out of joint I would imagine if you sign someone yeah, else it, like that if you sign a young striker hmm. and you've already got Jeff got, you've already got Lolos it's a, and are you going to yeah. be starting it's, it's, and why would you loan a player to a team if you're not going to be playing games it's a bit of a weird situation to be in it's covering yourself yeah um, but it's finding that player that's happy to be yes. a cover and not yeah. why do you leave one club where you might be cover to come to another club where you cover yeah. it's, and it's I, I think easy, that's the key it? thing is you've got to be careful not to upset the apple cart too much now as well because mm. he seems to have a really good balance the players seem to be happy with what they're doing Argyle are scoring goals as well so mm. you don't want to bring you've got to be careful by you know, bringing players in just for the sake of it Chris is right you're only one or two injuries away from yeah true potential disaster yeah. so Telford's back training today Monday Ryan Taylor is making progress but still not there but what happens if one or other of them pick up an injury again and you know we're out for the rest of the season and I, I'm just saying it's it's not easy but if I was looking at one area of the team I'd see if there was a, a young striker that you might be able to get in just in case you know because at the end of the season you're going to need to win you want to win games and strikers can win you games so and as Ryan Lowe said it depends on who leaves I, I would still be surprised if there's not been talked to Ryan Taylor mm. Because he's not going to get a new deal at the end of the season. I'd almost be sure of that. So, does he want to stay here and pick up wages and not play for, or does he want to try and go somewhere where he can get well, a short get window fixed. again? First of all, that's yeah. the problem, Jack. Yeah. You know, and it sounds as though he might be back towards the end of this month, but mm. it might be difficult to get a club to offer him a contract when he hasn't played yeah. since November. That's very yeah. true. And you know, we speak about the youngsters as well. You've got Alex Fletcher that's out on loan as well, scoring goals for for Tibby. So uh... yeah, there's the. They're not short of strikers. No. I'm just thinking if there was one position I would look to strengthen look or consider strengthening, I just think you can never have enough strikers. And also, oh, you know, like, like, so I say, like you said, you look, Tom Telford's got the injury issues. Byron Moore, I thought, was going to be... It looked hmm. like he was going to get injured on Saturday, but he didn't, luckily. Jeff Cox, a very short sample size. And if, you know, t- touch what he stays in the team, does well. But if that doesn't keep ticking along... 
and you know Fletcher's never really made it at first team level. Lolos is really untested, mm. so you could argue that it is one of the weaker positions possibly. Also, there's still a few strikers out there. You've you mentioned Brett Bittman already. But you've got Danny Hilton at Luton. There, there's a bit of a question mark about their futures. So maybe as a transfer window develops and we get closer to the to the deadline, there might be a bit more movement. Not necessarily at our goal, but elsewhere, which mm. could lead to a bit of a, a chain reaction. That's yeah. I, just, I just don't imagine a, a big name player is going to come to, uh, to no. our goal now because one, if they do, they're going to want to be in the first team and you're, then, you, like you said, you are putting those yeah. joint of players that have been doing well and you're pushing everyone down that pecking order a bit more. And also, I think it's unnecessary spending when that money could be saved for the, for the summer. Mm. I don't think the team's in dire need of strengthening now. Yeah, well, Andy Bliss has a slight concern. He said, is anyone else worried about Luke Jepcott's goal drought? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him score a goal at home park. He must be going to bed dreaming of scoring a goal at home park. But unfortunately, it just wasn't his game on Saturday. It wasn't his game on Saturday, but uh, but four goals in three games. He'll be uh, pretty pleased with the way things have gone so far for him. Absolutely. Right, Jack, you're going to take us into the ad break? I'm a bit more ready with You've my quiz. I, I was teaser. shocked last week, wasn't I? I wasn't really prepared <laughs> for it. But yes, so Chris got it last week. Mm-hmm. I've decided there's one clue that makes it very obvious who it is. So I'm not going to read that till after the break if you still haven't got it when, okay. I, ask, when I ask Chris. Okay, so here we go. Born on the 21st of March, 1978, in Letchworth. Chris has got his eyes shut. No one's going to see that. I'm trying, to, got his thinking <laughs> I'm trying to work on. out how old that makes him. I thought he had his fingers in his ears. <laughs> <laughs> he joined the Pilgrims in 2008, after 14 years of his previous and only club up until that point. Uh-huh. After leaving Argyle, he went back to play for the team he came from. Any idea yet, Chris? Uh-huh. He didn't score many goals for the Pilgrims, but his most memorable came in 2009 when he fired at a 33rd minute shot past Lucas Fabianski. Oh, yes. He is currently manager of a team in the Ifshmian League North Division. Those are the clues before the break. I I think Chris will get most of them. It's just interesting to see whether Chris uh, or Stu will. I've not got it yet. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. I'm still struggling to get the, the player. Chris is... Got a very smug grin on his face. <laughs> Look at him. Do, he knows without it. giving the answer, do you know who it is? Are yes. you pretty confident? Right, let's okay, have the so last I'll clue. Give you, I'll give Stu the yes. last clue. The team he signed for Argo from and went back to was Colchester. Oh, um, do good, Carl do good. Carl do good. Very is good. Well done. There we go. Where, it was clue? the it was the um, signing after fourteen years at one club, one club before. Coming to our goal. Yeah. He scored that goal against Arsenal as well, didn't he? That was, that was a good day out. Yes, that was... Uh, even, the Emirates. even though our goal lost. I remember, I remember that was one of the first games actually I went to where I couldn't quite believe who I was watching playing in front of my eyes because I think Van Persie was playing that day. There was a number of yeah. good players playing that day, wasn't, weren't there? And it was nil-nil at half-time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So I still thought, well, this is, we've got a chance. <laughs> I think the only two goals Carl Duguid got for our goal was one at the Emirates in the FA Cup and one was at St James's Park, Newcastle in either the, cha- it was, I think it was the Championship. So he didn't score at so rubbish grounds. He didn't. He didn't score. <laughs> he didn't score at home park, but he scored at some pretty, pretty decent grounds. So yeah. Well, that was quite topical mm. actually, Jack, because our next subject is about FA Cup and scrap and replays. Because I was following your Twitter feed in the week and saw your little uh, oh ding ding with Gary Lineker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I don't ever expect anyone like that to reply to me, but he did. Yeah. I just get annoyed. Well, let's set the scene first. Yeah, because yes. Gary Gary Lineker tweeted that he thinks FA Cup replays should be scrapped yeah. and you were so against his tweet I just think it's yet another thing that suits Premier League clubs and it's sort of like we don't care about the rest of the football league you know there are fans up and down this country t- hundreds of thousands of fans that love that's, that's a big part of their season I know that Man U Chelsea Liverpool don't care who they get in the FA Cup because they play all these teams every, all the time anyway 
Um, there's a lot of talk at the moment about is there too much football? Is the amount of football over Christmas leading to all these injuries that Premier League teams are getting? And maybe there is a case for that. But I don't see why the Football League should have to continue to suffer because the Premier League just teams just can't be bothered with it. Mm. They've got they snap up all the talent from all around the country half a time for little to no money. They've got big enough squads to rotate if they want to. You know, I remember when Argyle played Liverpool a few only three years ago, wasn't it? Three years ago this month, and drew nil nil up there. It was against most of their reserve team. It wasn't their first team, but it was still a great day out. It was still you had the likes of Sturridge who played, and obviously yeah. in the replay, Coutinho played, and that's not even touching on the fact that some of these replays save clubs from going bust. And you know, just say I think one person said Luton was safe from going bust in two thousand and eight when they when they got a replay and the money generated saved their club. And it would just annoy me that if a club went bust because they're not making any money, the likes of Gary Lineker could be coming out like they did with Barry, saying, oh, it's such a shame, we need to do more to try and help these teams. Yeah. And actually, they're just, it's just all virtue-signalling nonsense, in my view, because all they care about is the Premier League, and it's a shame. Yeah, not just saving clubs as well, but the, the money that you can make, as, as Argyle found when they had Liverpool, the money you can reinvest in the infrastructure of the mm. club in terms of improving your training facilities and things like that, it's massive. You can't keep cutting away from the Football League, not giving them any money and yeah. expecting them to still be able to survive. There needs to come to a point where enough is enough. You know, you're already pushing your teams into some of our competitions with under 23 teams. If you're, if you're, you're playing too many fixtures, that's not down to the FA Cup replays. You know, mm. how many replays do realistically do these teams play? Not that many. Well, they've reduced the Premier League already down to, was it 38 games? You know, everybody else plays 46 just, you know, games. Football, football League clubs play 46 league games. They play the FA Cup matches in the earlier rounds. They play the League Cup. They play three minimum games in the Football League trophy. They've got smaller squads. They cope with it. There's no excuse. It's just nonsense. And it really gets on my nerves. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> Yeah, Jack, Can you tell? <laughs> Jack, Jack had quite a rant about that, didn't he? But I mean, I saw the Liverpool-Everton FA Cup uh, game on the TV where Liverpool played their reserves effectively and their reserves played really well, beat Everton and it was a really good game of football, which I enjoyed watching. So um, they've got big enough squads, Premier League. You know, they, There's lots of young players that struggle to get first-team opportunities. If a Premier League club decides that, you know, that, that they've, they're too busy to concentrate on the FA Cup and they just play a load of kids in there well it's going to aid their development I, I don't think it's a it's a problem EFL clubs need as much financial support as they can get one of the best ways they can get financial support is an FA Cup run the TV money the attendance money so no I, I, I definitely wouldn't scrap FA Cup replays the one thing I possibly think about putting in is giving the clubs an option so if both clubs decide they don't want a replay maybe that could be a way forward so if in the fourth round Wolves get Liverpool and they're both in the Premier League and they don't want a replay then that's fine they don't need to have a replay but then if Argyle, Argyle get Liverpool and Argyle say no we want a replay unless both clubs agree I think the FA Trophy do it quite similarly in the non-league yeah. maybe that's the way forward so later in the stages where you are getting to just Premier League versus Premier League mm. if neither of them want a replay slippery maybe that's an option. It, it is a slippery, slippery slope I, I, I think it's I, I like the concept but I just think mm. if you've got Liverpool and Plymouth say mm. as an example and Argyle goes to Liverpool and say, you know, no, we don't want to have that replay. Liverpool, you just feel the might of the Premier League clubs would come through. No, but that's what I'm saying. Unless force. they both agree, it should be there should be yeah. a replay. I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad on that. You stick with replays and 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 keep going. And, and I, no, I wouldn't. Also, I don't think the, I don't think the League Cup needs. You don't. I don't think the semi-finals needs to be two legs. I think there mm. are other things that can be. Changed before. Yeah, there's that, one competition know. that's one-legged already, so you know, or you don't have replays oh. in, so. And you know, it's it's just one of these. It's just a typical, you know, it's the top teams that are in the Champions yeah. League, and it, well, good for you. You know, I'd love to see my team in the Champions League having all the good games, but we don't. It just smacks of because Premier League clubs can't be bothered. Everyone else is suffering, and I don't think that's right. 
Yeah, I mean, years ago, of course, th- there would be... You could get two or three replays after a game, couldn't you? Oh, yes. I remember some games... Second was, replays, yeah. third replays, playing on neutral grounds, all sorts yeah. of things. This is back in the day when there were 46-game league seasons and, as well. And with, with smaller squads than they've got now. And yeah, yeah there is the argument that the, the game is so much more faster and physical, and, and that that's all, all true. But um, I, I think... The Premier League clubs might want it, but it's not all about them. Surprise, surprise! You know there is a collective football um, thought that should be there. The FA are there as the governing body of football. It's their competition. You know they should think about everybody and not just the uh, the wealthy elite, really. And also, the reason there are so many games is because there are so much there's so much money in the game, and the clubs that benefit from that money are the Premier League clubs. They've mm. they've sort of made this monster themselves, in my view. Mm. And you can't you can't you can't keep taking all the money and then wanting things to be made easier for you, but still be reaping all the money. It just doesn't. It's just not yeah. fair. It's not right. And like I said, it's it's about football fans as well at the end of the day. And football fans are at the heart of the game. And there are seventy two football league clubs, seventy one at the moment, football league clubs, and their fans live and yeah. breathe for those types of games I, I also think if you go to like proper hardcore fans say Liverpool or Man United you know those sort of clubs they actually quite enjoy their days out at lower league football mm. clubs mm. you know it's this old school football isn't it it and is yeah. it'd be such a shame to lose that from that would, from that English would football. for me that would kill the FA Cup the, the, when people talk about the magic of the FA Cup all that is is when lower league you know in the earlier rounds when you have an electrician that's plays in goal for some yeah. cl- some team seven leagues down that might play you know against the team in the football league it's those types of stories that's for me yeah. is what the magic of the FA Cup is and he if plays in a that, replay and then has to be in work at 7 o'clock the following morning it's like they're trying to drain all the colour from football and everything's yeah. going to be black and white and grey and that's not what I think most football fans want so there you go Jack Ball the voice of thousands of lovely <laughs> football fans so take note Gary Lineker <laughs> <laughs> indeed uh, finally then guys let's look ahead to um, our goals match of the weekend Stevenage uh, bottom of the table but since Graham Westy's gone in there, there's been a slight turnaround in their fortunes, hasn't there? There's, they've conceded only two goals in the last six games that they've played in all competitions. I think the bottom but one, aren't they? Didn't they go above? Yeah, that's right. Sorry. At, yeah, at, yeah. at the weekend, uh, with a 4-0 win at Cambridge, yeah. which uh, I don't know where that one came from, but um, I saw the goals. Stephen's got a good play in Elliot List. He scored for Stevenage against Argyle at Home Park uh, just after Christmas, because it's one of these games where you've you always seem to play a team at Christmas and then play them in, in January that's they have right, a quick, yeah. quick turnaround and that's how the fixture schedule works um, you, you can say what you like about Brian Wesley but he does get his teams pretty well organised there's, there's very rarely would you say a Graham Wesley team isn't organised and mm. uh, you would imagine he's gone in there and that's his first job to try and tighten things up well, you know, as stop. I say, two goals conceded in six games. That, that's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. So, uh, is, that, is that since our goal then? Is it a six since? Yeah, that, this is in January. Oh, right, okay. About six games in January. So, there, there's been an improvement, uh, and they're coming off a four 0 win at Cambridge. So there will be belief there. So they weren't what, easy to beat in December. Either, no, they weren't. They, they, uh, well, that our goal needed that late goal from Noel Canavan to win the game. So our goal should know that Stephen is your. Uh, are not going to be easy to beat. If I go play like they did at Scunthorpe and Carlisle, I'm I'm pretty confident they'll come out with the result they're looking for. But um, it's, 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 it's worth pointing out as well that we were talking earlier on when they play Exeter in the Johnston whatever the trophy is called now Leasing dot com trophy on Tuesday night. So I'm mm-hmm. sure Ryan Lowe will probably mm-hmm. pop up there and watch them. So. Fingers crossed, Exeter City do us a favour and injure a few of their best players. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's one of those ones where. You look at the table, yeah, you'd ex- and Argyle, mm. with the recent recent away results, you'd expect them to win. 
probably one of those games it'd be good for them to get the first goal. You know, if Stevenage get themselves ahead, having won four nil at Cambridge, they might feel like things are turning and have a have a bit, bit of momentum. So yeah, that's not going to be any. It's horrible, isn't it? It's not. It's You say it's not going to be an easy game. If Argyle apply themselves like they did at Carlisle, they'll they'll win. But if they're not quite at it, Stevenage have clearly got a bit of improvement in them. Yeah. Um, it could be a tricky game, but uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the first goal as well. Because if Stevenage get that first goal, they're going to really have some time wasting tactics. Yeah, 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 it's going to be. Well, that's that the thing. It was stuff. it was their time wasting tactics that cost them that that ninety six. Yeah, it was. That is a good point when they came down the home park because it was deep into stoppage time and. The, the stoppage time was only added because they'd been so busy wasting it. So uh, there's, no, there's no reason to not have faith in Argyle, though. You know, no, no, I, 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 know, I know no one's saying that. No. But I'm just, I'm just saying generally. You know, Argyle will be going and fancy themselves against anyone in the yeah. at the moment. And with ten wins out of thirteen, why shouldn't you? So yeah. it, they can't afford to rest on their laurels. But I, I don't think Stevens would ideally want to be playing Argyle at the moment. Mm. No. Right. Well, gents, thanks very much for your presence on the podcast this week. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks to you out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.